When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Welcome to Crunching the Numbers. Going inside and breaking down the game and finding out what all the data means. Well, welcome back to another episode of Crunching the Numbers with Shane Leonage and Mark Sapoulos. Thanks again, Shane, for, for obviously putting a lot of work into what we're doing here. And I, I know you're a, you're a very prepared kind of guy, and I love what you do in terms of your preparation for this kind of stuff. You're here to talk today about the first four games. So it's not a huge topic that obviously people have spoken about in the past, but we as obviously a partnership and what we do uh, with our players have spoken a lot about the first four games and its impact on the match, not necessarily just from a, a game perspective but from a mentality of you know if we can get a really good start what does that mean to us so from your perspective what do you think the first four games mean to most players or what should they mean to most players for what it's worth I think the first four games uh, looking at it has a lot of merit in the sense that it's the first time both players play on both sides of the court particularly important when you're playing the ITF or the grassroots tennis where you, you might have one side significantly different to the other you're on average 15 to 20 minutes into into the match at this point so you've had a good feel for it so I think it's important to look at this as maybe a first KPI a benchmark as to how you're going and then I talked about initially in that first podcast about winning 53% getting you to top 10 on the men's tour and I think it's 54% on the women's tour I had a look at a couple of the big guys and girls their winning percentage in the first four games Novak Djokovic uh, Rafael Nadal Roger Federer Serena Williams Simona Halep they all actually win over 55% of points in that first four game block. What that tells me is they're immediately putting pressure on their opponents and they're often up a break at this point. So looking at it a slightly different way, Novak Djokovic on average after four games is winning 2.72 games. He's up a break. That's obviously, it's really good to know that why do you think the reason is behind that? So obviously there's certain different patterns of play. There's, you know, different opponents you're playing against. Obviously, you know, some players have got a bigger serve than others, etc. But why do you think, from a numbers perspective, is that the case? I think a lot of it's what's between their ears mm-hmm. and also the preparation they do in the locker room. They all have routines slightly different. You've obviously seen everyone's aware of Nadal's routines. He's very deliberate in, in, in how he prepares. So I think when, by the time he's playing that first point, he knows he's playing that first point. Uh, I think some of the other players that they kind of let things drift a little bit too much and and before they know it they're in the second or third game. I think you're right there. The pre-match preparation is one of my pet peeves on a lot of kids because they they come into a match without warming up properly or without hitting balls before the match and that to me they're trying to find their rhythm in the match and I think that's a really hard one. If, if you're a tennis player trying to find rhythm in the first four games you're probably going to be 3-1 down. If you've already got your rhythm pre-match I think it's a really big thing to have because if you start 3-1 up 
that's a huge mental advantage you have then on your opponent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think uh, we've actually got a really good practical example given yeah. uh, we worked with a, a specific athlete at, at the IO and, and they were really struggling. So you talk about Djokovic being 2.72, winning 2.72 games after in the first four. This athlete was uh, in their last 15 matches only winning 0.8. So they were often down 3-1 or 4-love at this point. So that was an area that we, we knew we had to address. Um, we looked at things in terms of their first serve numbers were down, more unforced errors. Um, but there was a bit more to that, and, and Mark, you, you really changed his. Yeah, I think from our discussion we had, and, and Shane did some numbers on a player I was coaching at the Australian Open, who, as Shane said, he was, he was winning 0.8 of a game within the first four games of every match. So... Most of the time, it was either 4-love down, 3-1 down, very rarely 2-all, very rarely 3-1 up. Not at all, actually, in those yeah, matches yeah. That, that we had in the last 15. So for me as a coach, it was about how how is this happening, why is it happening, and what do I need to do about it to help him change? So we literally changed his pre-match routine, and we changed his pre-match routine from an off-court perspective. So I found that he was doing a hitting warm-up that was no more than 10 to 15 minutes. We extended that to 30 minutes. I found that in his pre-match warm-up, he wasn't playing at match intensity, so we changed his pre-match warm-up to match intensity. I found that he wasn't eating before he was playing, so basically he would eat in the morning from about 8 a.m. We'd have practice at like 9.30 or 10 o'clock, and then he's match would start at 11 and he wouldn't eat between the time he left his hotel which was at 7.30 in the morning right the way to the end of his match so he just had no energy come match time so the only thing that got him going was adrenaline and I found we had to change that whole pre-match routine and obviously now that he's played I think it's about 10 or so matches since that time he's now up around 2 or 2.5 2.7 actually 2.7 there you go in this stretch his worst has been 2-all previously he was lucky to get to 2-all yeah and, and as a coach for me that's not only building uh, confidence but it's also destroying the confidence of the opponent straight off the bat if you're you know out there and you're 3-1 up or you're two all and you're right in that match. It just puts a lot of pressure back on the opponent. So I felt like that's been a really big change for, for our athlete. And I think he, he'll continue to, to work on that. And I think it's something he'll continue to evolve. But I also challenge you out there, if you're a coach or a parent or a player out there that's really struggling in those first four games, have a think about what you do pre-match. Because for, for us, the pre-match preparation is the, the most important part of actually getting on that court and playing the match. Is there any evidence as well from the top players that you've got here, obviously, in your in your research that can help us out to give our listeners an idea about you know what they can do to, to increase the first four games the four players that i mentioned at the start one of the areas that they do exceptionally well is return very well from the beginning so they're winning over 50 percent of return points in that four game block and that goes a long way to breaking their opponent early on so i think i, I alluded to Djokovic winning 2.72. If you've watched him at the Australian Open, um, I think he was up a break in four of his seven matches mm. in that first four-game block. And it does. It just puts so much pressure on the opponent to have to then start to do more, and they start to panic and start to rush. And then you're always on the back foot trying to catch up. And I feel like, you know, if you if you get a player on the back foot, you're in such control of the match, and you control the tempo and the and the way the match flows. And I feel like. Novak does that extremely well. He gets on top early. He puts you into a little rabbit hole and says, okay, stay there until I'll let you come out. Other things that you can potentially consider, uh, if you're an athlete or you're prone to making more unforced errors early or not getting returns into play, you can adjust your return position. So I think the first four games are important to sort of tinker with that and get get an understanding of the environment.
environment and conditions and, and, and work out maybe on this side I'll return at this point, this area, and on the other side you might return a bit deeper because the, uh, the wind is different. How much of the first four games for those top players that you mentioned come down to the ability for them to have the data and the game planning and the research behind their opponents so they can actually hit the ground running come that first game? I actually think the data is probably most important in that first four-game block, the first set. I think as the match progresses, uh, intuitively um, players start recognising patterns that are going on. Mm -hmm. But in that first four-game block, you're probably the most vulnerable if your opponent comes in very prepared. Yeah, and I think that's the the biggest challenge now is that obviously guys like yourself who charge an arm and a leg for what you do, (laughs) you're obviously on the big dollars sitting behind your computer and knowing the numbers. I think it's really... it's. Obviously, these guys are at the top level. Those top four, five, ten players in the world have access to this, which a lot of players don't. And it gives you that advantage, even if it's one or two percent, like you said, to start the match well. And then once the match is going, it's all instinct. And you don't want to take the instinct away from the player and reading and, and generating their own game plan. Look, I think hopefully in the next four or five years, or um, hopefully sooner, more players will get access to, to data. I think we've, there's more sensors. ITF have approved more sensors on court um, and on your racket and things like that. So I think data will be more accessible. Um, and again, we we'll probably go back to this. It's how then you, you're able to interpret it. That'll yeah. be the key. I guess at the same time, though, players can still, as we, we've spoken about in our past episodes, they can still access their own data if they were to get video of their own matches and be able to just do the, the stats themselves they can come up with some sort of game plan and formulate around what they're, what they're doing as well to help them um, and give them a better understanding of what they're doing and how they can move forward with that yeah absolutely and I, and I certainly recommend players to, to at least watch your match back whether you win or lose in fact if you lose I think it's actually more important for, for you yeah. to actually watch that footage absolutely. but you, you'll gain something there and then if, you, if you're able to, to tag that match um, and collect some data data um, eventually you, you'll you'll have a number of matches and you can start seeing patterns that work well for you patterns that don't work well for you and 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 start looking at things like the first four games yeah i think that's really important i i, I got a lot of young kids that i coach and there's a, there's a few coaches out there that will hopefully listen to to our podcast and, and and work out what they can do for players that are not a recreation level but a junior level where they're out there playing tournaments and they don't have access to all the numbers the vision the data etc one of the keys that i look at is once you walk on court you're not out there to try and get your feel okay you're out there to try and beat the opponent so if you're trying to get your feel you're in trouble so get your player prepared really early before the match make sure they're ready to play once they step on the court it's about how can i beat the person at the other end is there any tips from your perspective to try and work out what they can possibly do i know numbers will probably be out the window but any tips from yourself about how they can do that and how they can start better or I guess in a better situation much better prepared even if they don't have numbers so I think Mark there's a couple of things that um, you can still do even if you don't have a lot of data and then uh, one is before you play the opponent just um, try and search for some video footage of them so you have a rough idea of how they play so YouTube's a great resource you can always uh, certainly contact some of your uh, coaches to see if they've got some video they're allowed to share but if you can get an idea of the player that helps the other big thing is in your warm-up time with your opponent start probing them just have a look does it look like their forehand's going to break down backhand are they good at the net so use that practice time wisely so when you do get into the match then you almost have a, a side 
side that you can sort of pick at early. Uh, and I think the, the other thing is you want to um, focus on your strengths as well. So as early as possible, try and use your strengths and try and get that working. And then obviously factoring in conditions and things like that, you, you do want to um, get a good understanding of which side is playing which way. Do I stand further in, in this side? Do I stand further back? And that's all important as well. But I think the key thing is just try and get a little bit of intel on your opponent um, at least before you step on court. Well, I think it's like for, from my perspective, I, so we talk about what we work on in training and their strengths, which may be use the forehand as much as you can early on. Um, once you've got your strengths firing, I think it's really good from a confidence perspective to be able to replicate success because the more success you have with your weapons, the better you're going to feel. So I guess that's a really big big point there. And obviously with the return to serve is neutralizing the game. So when you're in a return position, try and neutralize as much as possible put them on the back foot you know get a really good chance at the first strike in the rally so in summary do your prep work have clear set times and intensity in your training stretching and meals they're all important to be ready to play the match you want to try and get a little intel on your opponents and and really use your warm-up time to get your strengths firing but also probe your opponents so when the match starts uh, you have an idea where, where to sort of pick at be willing to uh, adjust your return and court position um, based on the conditions and this is something uh, you should be doing and re-evaluating um, at various points of the match anyway. If you want to know more about um, this kind of analysis, we, we do it as part of our reporting and dashboard package uh, at Data Driven Sports Analytics, and Mark and I will actually uh, use this a, a bit more in some of our strategic advice that we provide um, for the tennis menu. So, yeah, get in contact with us if you, if you want to know more. Jane, obviously the first four games is critical. We hope that people out there are going to start thinking about what they do in terms of their preparation before matches. Um, coaches start thinking about how to prepare players and parents start thinking about how you may talk to your child pre-match because obviously they're nervous anyway so we've got to get them starting really well but um you know i do appreciate your time and the work that you're putting into your numbers and obviously hopefully you were getting something out there to the the public the tennis public out there that want to learn a little bit about the game and what the numbers actually mean um and hopefully we're able to simplify it for you again we're brought to you by the tennis menu uh which we're out online at the moment check us out and also data-driven sports analytics uh hopefully we've taken uh you've taken something from what we've spoken about over the last few episodes we'll continue to bring you the latest in data and numbers and hopefully dissect the game as simply as possible for you out there and uh, to take onto the court. So good luck and thanks once again, Shane. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Mark. You've been listening to Crunching the Numbers. Make sure you subscribe to receive all the First Serve podcast. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.